Welcome to The Buzz, I'm Christopher Conover. This week, a look at the University of Arizona's official report into the October on-campus shooting. After a 168-day wait, a report examining the on-campus shooting that killed hydrology professor Dr. Thomas Meixner is now public. The more than 200-page report was written by security and crisis management company Pax Group. Joining me now to discuss the report is AZPM reporter Paula Rodriguez. Paula, thanks so much for joining us. Hi, Christopher. Thanks for having me. Paula, for those who haven't been following as closely as you have, let's start with a quick recap of the events that got us to this week. Well, before the shooting, there was over a year's worth of threats and claims of harassment from suspect Murad Dervish to hydrology and atmospheric sciences faculty and students, which later led to an on-campus shooting last October, where department head Thomas Meixner was murdered in his office. Those threats throughout that time were reported to different UA departments, but those affected claimed they received little direction or support from the university, forcing them to seek help in other ways like self-defense mechanisms. Because of that, both the university and the university's faculty senate worked towards creating separate security assessment reports, including how the university responded to events leading up to the October 5th shooting. The faculty's interim report was released in February, but that has since turned into their final report as the committee resigned due to fears of retaliation and claims of stonewalling after the report became public. Since the university has been really pushing the community to wait for this long-awaited PACS report that was released earlier this week. Now, you've done a great deal of reporting on this over the last few months. As you mentioned, this is not the first report. The Faculty Senate's ad hoc committee report came out earlier, and we did an entire episode of this show on that report. Are there big differences or big revelations in this new report that we didn't know before? Well, I spoke with both the chair and vice chair of the now former faculty committee about the differences between the two reports. Chair Dr. Jenny Lee said that in many ways, the two were similar. In our faculty senate report, we emphasize that in order to actually have a security apparatus that is successful and effective, we need to have trust, where individuals feel safe to report and trust the competency of university officials to meet their safety needs. Many of the themes actually were were quite similar. So in that sense, we, of course, will agree with it. But a, a fundamental difference has to do with this idea that we pose, not even an abstract idea, a fundamental uh, basis of securing trust within the institution. One of the things mentioned in our conversation is that it would be difficult for PACs to speak on levels of distrust since that is not what they specialize in because they're a security firm, which is why the committee tried to work with PACs, especially after university officials encouraged them to. But after the ad hoc committee's report, PACs didn't respond to a month's worth of meeting requests until two hours after the committee emailed them saying they're resigning. 
Of course, there were other things that came to light in the PACS report that we didn't know before. Most notably, the report says there are three different occasions where UAPD failed to apprehend shooting suspect Murad Dervish before the shooting, including one instance where he walked into their police station to ask officers to run license plate numbers to see what came up on his new vehicle just eight days before the on-campus shooting. Pack said that instance was left out of UAPD's after-action report. When it comes to the threat assessment management team, the PACS report made it clear that its current approach puts an undue burden on the people reporting the incidents. I asked Dr. Robbins about what happens now with the 33 recommendations from PACS. So um, I would say going forward, we have this report. We have uh, guidelines that can help us go forward. But a report and uh, having a chief security officer is not enough. We have to all come together and unite and work together uh, to recognize our failures, learn from them, and work together to try to honor Tom's legacy by making the campus safer. You've spoken with a lot of people since the report was released on Monday morning. Members of the Faculty Senate, authors of the first report, President Robbins, and even Phil Andrew, the head of PACS. Did those interviews bring anything to light that the published report didn't? President Robbins was extremely apologetic throughout a Monday news conference. He really reiterated that there were failures on the university's part both before and after the shooting. But some believe that those apologies are coming a little too late and question why it took five months after the shooting and a report that cost a quarter of a million dollars to acknowledge these downfalls. Robbins was asked how he plans to move forward and if there will be any accountability for past actions from personnel. He said that he could not dive into issues regarding human resources, but that there will be some what he called soul searching. There are going to be uh, many detailed and very difficult conversations that will have to be had uh, in the coming weeks to months. He also expressed the need to work better in following policies and procedures regarding who can be arrested, when, and how charges can be filed. I have confidence in the leadership with UAPD. Those instances, though, where uh, they miss the opportunity uh, to apprehend the suspect, um, is something that is a, is a failure. Robbins also addressed faculty concerns about retaliation from UA after the internal report was released. He did not shy away from saying that mistakes were made. The concern about retribution, I think, is uh, direct and also indirect. And by di being dismissive and not uh, fully uh, taking their report for what it was, I think that's a, that's a form of, uh, if not retaliation, it's disrespect. Phil Andrew, the head of PACS, really emphasized that the organization was able to work independently from the university, despite concerns from the community that the university was paying them to make this report. So we've talked about Dr. Robbins, we've talked about the head of PACS, we've talked about the faculty senate. Have we heard from Dr. Meixner's family? The family filed a $9 million notice of claim last Friday, the same day the report was issued to Robbins. AZPM broke that news just hours before the PACS report was made public. In their claim, the family says UA's lack of response led to Meixner's death. 
Kathleen Meixner, Dr. Meixner's widow, spoke to the faculty senate Monday afternoon, just minutes after Robbins met with the media, and thanked that group for its work and support. Paula, thanks for all your long days and late nights uh, working on this. Uh, we know this story is far from over. Thanks for having me. That was AZPM reporter Paula Rodriguez. To read the full PAX report, visit our website. You're listening to The Buzz. I'm Christopher Conover. We're looking at a report recently released by the University of Arizona that gives a thorough accounting of the events that led to the on-campus shooting death of Dr. Thomas Meixner last year. The report from the PAX group largely echoed information that was in a faculty senate interim report on the incidents leading to Dr. Meixner's death, though university administrators at the time largely dismissed that report a move that UA President Robert Robbins has since apologized for. The same day the report was released, the Faculty Senate approved a no-confidence vote limited to the administration's handling of the shooting and its aftermath. AZPM's Paolo Rodriguez spoke with Faculty Senate Chair Dr. Layla Hudson after the vote and the release of the report. On the topic of the report, Dr. Hudson said there were plenty of similarities, but like the faculty report authors we spoke with earlier, she also focused on the issue of trust between the university administration and the rest of the campus community. Trust is an ongoing conversation throughout this entire incident, before and after. How does the university work towards repairing that broken trust that was outlined in both the committee's report and resignation letter. Is that even possible? I think it is possible. And after a long and honest conversation with the president yesterday that lasted two hours, I think he thinks it's possible as well. Like I said, this intermediate level vote of no confidence is designed to be more of a wake-up call and a call to action for the administration rather than a dismissal or a call for resignation or anything like that. Uh, So the second part of the resolution that we passed emphasized that what the Senate would like to see as the groundwork of a new partnership with the administration. We want to see action in the next 30 days. And what we want to see is evidence of accountability in the specific offices that together work on the threat assessment management team. We would like to see an approach from senior leadership to figuring out specifically what could be done differently and whether we have the best arrangement of personnel in those offices to enhance and protect everyone's safety and everyone's security. So that's one thing. Uh, And the other thing that we asked for specifically in the second part of the resolution is evidence of the design of a an umbrella of risk management and threat assessment. We want to see, and everyone who works at the university or studies at the university or entrusts their children, right, and their family members to the university wants to know is, when I have, God forbid, a threat of violence, who do I call to make sure that that threat is logged, communicated, acted upon, so that action then can be taken to ensure the safety of the entire community. You mentioned that you had a meeting with President Robbins yesterday. Did you all talk about 
the things that the faculty senate would like to see and the viability of that happening. We talked for two hours about what we would all like to see moving forward. And you might be surprised at how many points we all agreed on. We want this campus to be safe and secure and free in order to optimize all the teaching, learning, research, and service that goes on here. And honestly, I don't think the president disagrees with us at all in terms of the needs that we articulated. What we do need is proactive attention from our management. Now that the PACS report is out, now that the family has decided to move forward with their notice of claim, and we have the benefit of the faculty's interim report with its insights based on our local culture and our local expertise, we should be able to have a blueprint for moving forward within the next 30 days. And that's what the Senate will be looking for. Trust goes both ways, right? How can the Faculty Senate work to repair that trust with the university, especially after a vote like this? The Faculty Senate isn't against the university, right? The Faculty Senate is a statutorily mandated expression of the university. So it's not a question of being adversarial, but yes, we do have to work together, right? And I think the way to build back the trust is to keep those lines of communication open, develop a habit, and I think we might need to work on this, of speaking honestly to one another about our concerns and our frustrations. But I think with the wake-up call in which the president heard loud and clear that there is unhappiness on campus, I think he is now open to and willing to listen to voices that he might not have heard so much. And on our part, I emphasize to the president that what we want is for him to stay on. This is not a call for him to leave. This was a call for him to engage in a way that many people feel he hasn't yet. But we have an opportunity here through our personal connections, through our new structures of communication, through working on a project to say, what would a world-class, university-based, inclusive, sensitive, but effective risk management and threat assessment system look like? That's a project that I hope we all work on together with input from students, with input from staff, with input from faculty, administration, as well as those outside experts. Lest all this sound too negative, let me reiterate my firm and strong belief that this is a world-class institution, second to none in its faculty, staff, and students. We have everything that it takes to become a national leader in sorting out some of the problems that every institution is subject to. The theme of this week's news seems to carry the idea and the need to move forward as we've touched on throughout our conversation. Outside of the faculty senate's motion and the the things that you all would like to see, what does this need to move forward look like? 
One of the aspects of both our faculty interim report and the PACS report was listening groups with a number of different constituencies on campus. And I think that indicates the way forward. Throughout the months since Professor Meixner's murder, we have talked to many, many people. The committee has, and I know the PACS group and the other external consultants have as well. In people's observations, frustrations, experiences, lie just about everything we need to include in our world-class risk management system for a dynamic community of diversity. So yeah, it's we do think that the students, the staff, the community, and the faculty have the ingredients that need to be communicated. And we're saying what we need on this campus is something that includes the best practices of law enforcement, excludes some of the worst trends, but in general is much bigger, is a cultural change where we talk honestly, we communicate, we respect privacy when that is uh, warranted, but we also respect publicness when that is warranted. As much as our conversation has talked about improving and being better, it would be ill of us to not talk about previous things that have happened. The university previously said that the interim safety report that was released was based on, quote, misleading characterizations. How do statements like this affect the Senate's ability to work, but also maintain a certain level of integrity with the community? Well, that statement was part of what got us to the special Senate meeting and the resolution that we passed. I know that since then, the president has privately talked to the committee members and has, uh, I understand, apologized to them for what many people thought was a cavalier and unjustified dismissal of their uh, excellent work and good faith efforts on behalf of the community. And so I think that this episode of friction will allow us to air some of our differences and our grievances, all with the intent of moving forward proactively to fix what needs to be fixed. Dr. Hudson, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you. That was AZPM's Paula Rodriguez with University of Arizona Faculty Chair Dr. Layla Hudson. Among the changes announced in conjunction with the issuance of the new report was that the University of Arizona will add a chief safety officer. Steve Patterson, a career FBI agent who rose to the rank of assistant special agent in charge of the Bureau's Tucson operations, will be the first person to hold that post. He's been consulting for the university since the shooting. He joins us now. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So this is a new position to the university. What do you see as the top tasks, as you said before we started the interview, looking through the windshield? I think, you know, first identifying um, all the tasks that need to be accomplished, uh, going through the PACS report, looking at uh, the recommendations. Some of them, as noted, uh, we've already started on, but uh, been having meetings today trying to 
look at what we need to do, who we need to get in the room to start um, getting some of these uh, items accomplished, <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as possible. Um, you know, our, we have goals to try to get some items done. Um, I'll use an example of the, uh, the locks on the doors to the classrooms. We are getting hundreds of pounds of locks shipped in daily and uh, with the goal of having doors, locks on classroom doors by the start of the fall semester, which is only, what, 120 days or so away. Seems uh, like a long time, but right around the corner also. <clears throat> absolutely. So uh, the first step is to try to uh, look at each one of the recommendations, plus a few other items that we've looked at. And... Um, I'm ultimately responsible, as obviously is President Robbins, uh, but look at who else can, can help me in the task, because it's a pretty significant task. You talk about timing, just putting new locks on classroom doors. Obviously, there are hundreds and hundreds of classrooms on campus. It takes time. Realistically, for people who have now read the report, it's been circulating, people have been talking about it for a couple of days at least, when realistically should they start looking for notable changes? Well, I mean, even right now, we have a, a percentage of the, the classrooms have locks on them right now. Uh, we are in the process right now of um, providing a, building a, up a poster that will be in every classroom detailing emergency awareness, where AEDs are, um, you know, what, uh, what room and address of the building you're in. Um, we're updating right now uh, UA Alert. Um, so those are just a few things where you can look at and say, these are some of the changes that are going on. Another example is if you uh, pull up the uh, TAMPED website, you will see uh, the presentation that Dr. Gene Deisinger did uh, in February detailing threat awareness, warning signs. It's about an hour-long presentation that I recommend uh, everyone within the campus community look at. That group um, tamped the threat assessment management team. You started doing some work with them not long after the shooting. There was a report, an external report done, I believe, uh, a report either way, that looked at them in 2019. Some of those changes that were recommended in that are still being implemented. How hard is it to make changes at a major university that has tens of thousands of students, not to mention the thousands of faculty members and staff members and the public coming in every day? Sure. Um, one of the things that PAC's report highlighted was communication, and I think that's really the key. Uh, one of the first steps we did was to, to bring Dr. Dysinger on board um, to bring him to campus to provide the, the um, awareness training for the campus, as well as what he did after those uh, awareness trainings, spent a day and a half with our threat assessment team going over the process, going over uh, what to look for and what to look at. So um, it, uh, it's a matter of awareness. I just got through with a meeting uh, with the College of Education in which um, there were a few folks that prior to the report didn't know what a threat assessment team was, didn't know that the university even had one, right? So I think um, one of the main um, 
areas that we're looking at now is as we start to make some of these positive changes, how do we um, make sure people know? And then also a mechanism to provide feedback, right? Um, there's a lot of people here. You said that thousands, tens of thousands of people on this campus. And um, we want to make sure that we're addressing as many of their security needs as they have, right? And a lot of that is just communication. Uh, we're looking to providing updates, creating a website or some, something. We're still working through that as far as updating people on what we're doing, the updates, so they can look and say, here's what we're doing. Here's what you should look for. Some folks in the university community have said they're concerned that all these security measures turn the campus into a police state. How do you allay those fears? Well, first, I would start by saying I, I grew up here, right? I love this campus. Uh, my kids used to play around, uh, around the, the mall, um, one of the reasons that this campus is so great is because it is an open, open campus, right? You said it yourself. Um, we need to do everything we can to try to minimize risks, um, be it a uh, crime of violence or be it, you know, somebody has a, a major fall or a heart attack. We need to do what we can to minimize those risks. Um, but that's one of the reasons why we're opening up the dialogue is um, I welcome suggestions. I've spent the last six months walking all over this campus meeting with people. Um, I value input. Um, you know, we need to make sure that we are trying to keep everybody as safe as possible while in no way um, making people feel uncomfortable with what's going on. As chief safety officer, I guess it's going to sound like a business question, but what's the org chart look like? Does UAPD now answer to you? You answer to the president? Where? How do you do your job? The uh, the org chart is still being worked through. Okay, um, the announcement was what four or five days ago? Two or three days ago? Two or three days ago. It just uh, feels like four yeah. or five days. Um, so we're working through all that. Uh, one thing I do know is that I will be reporting directly to the president. Um, and my number one task is uh, to look at the, the, the safety of the campus. Um, and I rest assured I will be working with everybody around the campus. As far as who reports to whom, um, those we're still working out. All right. Well, thanks for spending some time with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was Steve Patterson, who will become the University of Arizona's first chief safety officer on May 1st. And that's the buzz for this week. Tune in next week as we look at the Native American Grave Protection and Repatriation Act. You can find all our episodes online at azpm.org and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for The Buzz Arizona. We're also on the NPR One app. Zach Ziegler is our producer with production help this week from Katya Mendoza, Samantha Larned, and Phil Howard. Our music is by Enter the Haggis. I'm Christopher Conover. Thanks for listening. Arizona Public Media's original programming is made possible in part by the Community Service Grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.